2: Show 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, thank you very much for making us a part of your Monday. want to remind you to spring into action before the summer rush. Get a complete AC diagnostic checkup for just 39 bucks. Scheduled today by calling 801 3333 at Action Plumbing. Shout out to Lloyd, who uh,
0: gave me some ribs that he uh, cooked up on his Traeger grill. And
2: these ribs are really, really good. How confident are you that those ribs aren't poisoned? Would Lloyd do that? I don't know. See, see, I wouldn't say the odds would be really high that they're poisoned, but they're at least there. You there know are what I mean? odds. Yeah. The, there's, there's like at least a 5% chance. Hold on. That... Here.
0: Austin, didn't you taste one earlier? Not from that plate. Yeah, but from the same. Not from that bag either. It was a different bag. <laughs> <laughs> My bag was see-through. Yours
2: was not. I, I, I think I trust Lloyd. It's good. Mm-hmm. It tastes really, really good. Yeah, I mean, there's a 95% chance that you didn't do anything terrible to them. <laughs> if that's your final meal, are you happy with the choice? Uh, it's not what I would choose
0: for my final meal, no, but it's awfully good. You were telling Lloyd during the break
2: you, you want to get one of those smokers. I do. I, I just can't. I want a grill and a smoker. I can't see you doing that for some reason. Uh, well, Lisa wants one, too. Oh, is that? Yeah, uh, okay. That, that makes a little bit I th- more I sense can, now. I can work the grill.
0: I mean, I'm not like Scotty. I remember one time we had an event over at our house, and I was cooking stuff up on the grill, and Scotty came out. And when I turned around, he had everything categorized on the grill in perfect form, you know? And I just had him just slopped on
2: there all over the place. He had it all organized perfectly. See now with my limited knowledge of, of smoking, which uh, I'm not all that experienced in, uh, those little details, the attention to detail is is really really a key part of the process because it takes a really long time, and those little <laughs> details are the things that actually really make the difference between a bad meal and a good one. And I, I don't know. See, it's not it's not my thing for this reason, Gordon, and I don't think it would be your thing. For well, this I've not done a lot
0: of grilling through the years, and I don't claim to be good at it. But uh, I, can, I, can, I can do it. I don't know if I can do all the fancy things that you can do these days, but between my wife and I, we'll get it done.
2: Mainly the former. <laughs> but that makes more sense. If Lisa wants a, a smoker, you should get her one.
0: Yeah. She wants a grill and a smoker. Okay.
2: All right. So there you go. Because
0: I bought, I bought one about 10 years ago, and the thing is on its last legs.
2: But if you disappear during this segment, then we will all know that those ribs were indeed poisoned.
0: Well, you're not inspiring a whole lot of confidence.
2: Well, just Notice saying. he hasn't taken another bite. Right. The well, bathroom is. And the he's, not, he's not even moved his hand that has the residue on the fingers. He doesn't dare to get it close.
0: Well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive right back in as soon as the segment's over. You know, the bathroom is right across the hall. Just making sure you still know. So I make it through my whole entire vacation in Mexico without a problem, and now you think I'm coming home and I'm eating the wrong thing,
2: and I'm in trouble. I'm just saying there's a chance of it. That's all. All right, the news today uh, involving the Utah Jazz, the rumor that's out there, Sham Sharani of the Athletics saying the Jazz are in the lead in the trade sweepstakes for Memphis Grizzlies point guard Mike Conley. Of course, we know the the saga that went down over the trade deadline where the Jazz were close to landing Conley then and now appear to be uh, being aggressive to get him now, Gordon, in the offseason. Um, real quick, before we talk about the, the effect that this trade would have on the Jazz in the West, uh, the timing of it, it's got to happen before the draft. If this is going to happen, it's going to happen before the draft. So we're going to be glued to it here at the Zone over the next couple of days. If something happens, we will let you know. Could it happen on draft night? But it could also happen on draft night. But that first-round pick this year is most assuredly going to be involved in the deal if a deal does indeed happen. So uh, it, it, if it if it goes down, it's going to happen over the next couple of days. Let's hope it's not tomorrow at BYU Media Day because we're going to be, you know, Busy, Just distracted with with uh, BYU football. So, but it could come anytime over the, la- the next couple of days. And quick note: I'm I'm very happy that this year's BYU Media Day isn't the day after the draft, yes. which it has been in the past. It, which...
0: Somebody screwed up. Yeah, it's that. like, oh man, it's a big story. What do you make of this tweet or this uh, yeah this tweet here from
2: uh,
0: uh, Wild Turkey Blunt. <laughs>
2: Uh, I know that that's his Twitter handle, but hearing you say it puts a smile
0: on my face. (laughs) If there is a deal that immediately makes the Jazz better, then nobody is untouchable. The biggest worry is we make a trade. I love the we. We make a trade for a third star, trade away all of our depth, and said player gets hurt and never fulfills his price tag.
2: That's a big risk. It is a risk. But everything's a risk, isn't it? Yep. But that is the downside. And you know, speaking specifically of Conley, he's had some injuries in his in his past, and that is something that could happen if the Jazz make a move for him. But, but that, I, that could happen to any player at any it time. Could. I I don't think it should be something that scares you away from being aggressive, especially now at this point in time where the franchise currently is. They need to take the next step. They got back to fifty wins. What's next? Okay, so let's examine that for a second. You got a bunch of good players who
0: puts you in a position to be good. You've got a couple burgeoning stars. But you have a bunch of good players, none of them really great, and probably don't have the potential to be great in that respect. So you hang on to them because if you lose one, it's less of a risk than if you make a big investment in some other player who has proven himself to, be a, to, to, to really be a star – and then you have to worry about whether that individual is going to get injured or not. You just can't
2: operate that way, Jake. Well, and ignore you, you do yourself a disservice if you ignore injury history as well. I mean, you've got you've to take it all into account uh, when making a decision. I mean, if you trade for an injury-prone player, you better go into it with your eyes open. You know what I mean? But I'm, I'm with you. You can't let uh, what could happen scare you away from something that could really make your team better. See, if the Jazz did something
0: like that, got a player like that, and then something bad did happen, I don't think there's room for criticism for that. And we would all have to keep that in mind. Yeah, I agree. Because here we are looking at a situation that has proven itself to not be good enough. And the Jazz pretty much stood pat last time around. Not good enough. And so they make a move to make it better. You have to accept the risk that comes with that, and I think most Jazz fans would remember that, would be willing to do it, and would understand if it didn't work out.
2: And plus, no longer will Golden State be standing in your way. So the the West is a little bit more wide open than it's Speaking been. Speaking of injuries, is that weird or what? Oh, it's it. Well, you feel bad for the players, certainly. And I, I feel bad for Kevin Durant because I, I do believe – Uh, that he was trying to come back for his teammates and and trying to be there for his team and trying to play through it. And, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if the calf was related to the Achilles or or what. They're claiming
0: it's not, right? Right.
2: And I don't know how preventable it it was or was not. I would hope that Kevin surrounds himself with uh, people who give him good medical advice uh, from within the team and without. All Uh, that does,
0: though, is encourage players who are nicked up To take the long road. Oh, it totally does. To coming back. And for so many years, so many people have criticized players for parking themselves on the bench in a $5,000 suit for extended periods because of a fear of this sort of thing. And especially folks around here had a problem with that because uh, John and Carl didn't do that. No. They were always back out on the court. Well...
2: Things are changing. Yeah, they have. What happened to Kevin Durant will absolutely have a ripple throughout the rest of the NBA. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, but I, I don't know. You know, it, let's say that Clay Thompson comes back, Kevin Durant does not. Golden State still isn't going to get Clay Thompson back until um, you know February at the earliest, and then you work him back in. And how you know how basketball ready is it going to be? All those sorts of things. In the meantime, you have Steph and Draymond and nothing else. Because Golden State is completely capped out. The only thing they could possibly do is, I believe, they might have a mid-level veterans exception and they can sign some minimum contracts, but basically it's going to be Steph, Draymond, and G-Leaguers. So who's going who's to who's sign KD? Well, see, are you asking me what I would do if I was Kevin Durant or who I think is still going to sign Kevin Durant? What would you do? What would I do? I'd sign, re-sign with Golden State and get as much guaranteed money as I possibly could. But I think he's going to leave. I mean, that's kind of where all the signs. What point. team is willing? What team is willing
0: to pay out all that kind of money and spend the next year rehabbing an injury that is so difficult to come back from? Who's
2: going to do it? All of the teams. Everyone, every single team right now would take Kevin Durant on their roster and go through that. If, they if all our listeners were trusted advisors
0: uh, to, to uh, Dennis Lindsey, what would you tell him to do if the Jazz had a chance to uh, make that haul? Do it. Do it. Do it
2: now. Uh, do it as fast as you possibly can. And Achilles? He was the best player on the planet this what year. What that key word was? Yeah. You have a chance. I mean, talk about taking risks, Gordon. You have a chance to add a, a top three player in the league. You do it, do you? Yeah, in a a star. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. You do it. You absolutely.
0: What are the chances that he's going to come back and be the same player? Do you have you heard any doctors speak to this? So instead of a top three player, he's a
2: top five player. I mean, come on. What if he's a top twenty five player? Maybe you. That's where the risk comes in. But you take the risk because it's Kevin Durant and franchises out there. I mean, the the Knicks would sign him tomorrow. You You bet. You lose a year on the deal.
0: You're paying him to rehab, and then you're hoping that he comes back the same player he was. Well, you're going to sell tickets to it regardless of what happens. So you make a ton yeah, of money. I mean, I'm 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 sort of resisting
2: the point, but you're right. Right? These teams would absolutely take that risk, and so would the to fans get, to get Kevin Durant, and so would the fans. Yeah, one hundred percent. Absolutely. So nothing really, you know. You feel How bad old's for Kevin now. He's, we'd have to double check. I think he's thirty. He's thirty, going on thirty-one. That's right. Okay. So I mean, it. Yeah, it's probably going to take him two years, to to really be right. Yeah. But you, they're they're going to take the risk. Teams out there are going to do it. You well, bet. there's
0: a, there's a certain center playing for the Sixers. Who Remember we had doctors telling us that that's a bad move, that they would not suggest that the Sixers make that pick, you know, all that stuff. And uh, they made the pick. And, you know, I mean, it hasn't necessarily paid off yet, but uh, there's a good chance it will. Oh, His he's, was not Achilles, correct? No, no it was not. But no. it
2: was it was all those big man red flag injuries, right? right? The back and the feet uh-huh. and those uh, yeah. those sorts of things. And he's it, it absolutely has paid off. He's one of the best players in the league, Joel Embiid, right now. Yeah, he's a he's a top five defender in the NBA, and that's I mean he might even be a top three defender in the NBA. He's got range. He's exactly what you want from a modern day center. He can shoot. He can, he can play defense. He's versatile. He's long. And, yeah, they, the Sixers, just one of the smart things they did, they looked at that and said, yeah, absolutely, we'll take the risk. I wonder if
0: the fact that the Warriors are in the compromise condition that they're in now, uh, whether that is really doing what you said earlier and encouraging, throwing gas on the fire for these other competent teams in the West to do everything possible to go now especially with what Toronto was able to accomplish
2: this year, whatever the circumstances were with Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Well, it, and, you know, one thing that's interesting in the West, a, kind of a sub-story that's going on right now, I don't know if you had a chance because it, it was a little bit lengthy and I know you just uh, got back from Mexico, but there was um, an article this morning from ESPN and uh, Tim McMahon, who's a a, a great nba guy sure. out there and uh he wrote um a, a long piece about what a disaster uh it is in houston right now with uh, chris paul and james harden and not getting along and uh you know daryl morey wanting to be aggressive but you know what exactly are they going to do chris paul's expendable man they they
0: uh they would uh, get rid of him i think as quickly as possible but who wants
2: the 40 Million dollar contract. But if they, nobody. So if, but that's the thing. If Houston could somehow figure out, out a way to tape that back together again, are they all of a sudden your favorite in the Western Conference? <laughs> huh. So, well, and, and, you know, do you put him in front of the Lakers now with Anthony Davis? We'll have to wait to see what they do. But as far as Mike Conley, just kind of bring this uh, conversation full circle, Gordon. As far as Mike Conley goes, I, I think he'd be a terrific fit. And what I'm picturing is, uh, the Utah Jazz, a la what would have been uh, three years ago now, Gordon, when they had a healthy George Hill running the point in Quinn Snyder's offense. Yeah. And, and Conley is way better than George Hill was uh, then. And uh, so that, I think, should inspire some optimism because when the Jazz have had a, a you know a five-tool player like that, I know that's a baseball term, Austin. But, you know, somebody who can is uh, good off the bounce shooting the three, you have to respect shooting the ball, is a good distributor, a good decision maker, great in the pick and roll. I mean, man, it, it, it changes the dynamic offensively for the Utah Jazz entirely. And then on top of that, you know, Gordon Hayward was kind of the, the go-to guy on that team with George Hill. Donovan's even more dynamic than Gordon was. So if you plug Donovan into that role, have a point guard like Conley pull in the strings for Quinn Snyder's offense, I think there's a lot to be optimistic about there.
0: Yeah, and if you're able to get that kind of player without crippling the rest of the roster, uh, then, then yeah, you're, you're in really good shape. Well, I, I think that would be really promising for the Jazz. And we, sure, there are the risks that we've already covered, but uh, the upside would be exciting, and I think the fan base is ready for it. You said something interesting. Define crippling the rest of the roster. Well, if they if they took the guts out of the team that made the Jazz good beyond the two stars, uh, then that could be that could be tough if you have stretches of injury. Uh, even if the player is able to be really good. That, that, that's an age-old question, Jake. Okay, let's say you have Rudy Gobert, you have Donovan Mitchell, and you have Mike Conley. And what happens if you have a bunch of G-leaguers around those guys?
2: Is that enough? How is that team going to do? Well, they might. that might be what it comes down to. Now, I think that if you're looking at a big three, that's what you need to try and land in today's day and age in the NBA, and then you figure it out from there. You think they would have to
0: include Derek Favors in this equation somewhere? Likely, yeah. But, I, I, I mean, if they make what about What about guys like Joe Ingles? What about guys like uh,
2: O'Neal? I think you you trade what you got to do to get it, to get that big three. Um because I think you could—I I love Royce O'Neal, and I love his game, and I think he's really important. But I think you could find another player like that. Joe Ingles, a little bit more difficult to replace, but I don't think Memphis would want Joe anyway. But I think you can find players like that. You can't find a player like Mike Conley. And Memphis isn't going to come to
0: the Jazz and say, give us all your other guys.
2: That's no, not, I don't, that's not going to happen. I don't think that that's what they're—but uh, I guess my point is, is, I don't think the Jazz really could cripple the rest of their roster to get Mike Conley. I think everybody on there, I mean, maybe you don't want to replace Jay Crowder because you like what he does. but he is, how important but he is... is Crowder? I mean, that's a
0: name that comes to mind immediately. I mean, the way he was utilized last year, I think, was a little bit – I mean, they had to do – I guess they thought they had to do that. But if Mike Conley's in the lineup, then Jay Crowder doesn't have to play that way. But he's most likely your starting power forward in this scenario. But he doesn't have to jack up all those threes. You know, well, that's what they want him
2: to do, though. He's got to be that uh, floor spacer. Well, they want him to do it because there was nobody else to do it. There's still nobody else to do it. Hmm. Maybe at a little lower clip. That's all. You want to see
0: fewer prayers heaved up by Jay? I would like to see Jay Crowder get his rear end down in a low block and use some of that strength to uh, good uh, effect. Well, then they don't want Jay. Because
2: that's not what they need from
0: their But he can still do that. He can still do that, too. The problem with Derek Favors is he can't do both.
2: Right. True. All right, coming up right around the corner, we're going to preview the Arizona Wildcats. Joining us will be Michael Lev. Uh, He works for the Arizona Daily Star, does a terrific job covering uh, Arizona sports. So we'll talk to Michael as we continue to we wind our th- way through the notable opponents for BYU, Utah, and Utah State this uh, off season. Yes, indeed. Mm, this is good. Well, thanks for telling us. Thank you for eating before we go to break, and thanks for uh, alerting everybody to that fact. Mm. We'll have more coming up next. We'll talk to Michael straight ahead, Ninety-seven-five, oh, in The Zone.
1: Oh, me. This 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 is Hans Olson and Scotty G. It's what you
0: want. A lot of times people will ask me, if you wouldn't have been a professional football player, if you wouldn't have been a radio analyst, what would you have been? I always tell them a paleontologist.
1: <laughs> I We've done shows for a long time. You've never, ever mentioned that ever. I
0: know. Paleontology? What? Maybe if you showed more interest in the things
2: I'm interested in. Was it just
0: because of Laura Dern in Jurassic Park? Because you say that, then I'm like, okay, I got you. You know, Sam Neill was never right for her.
2: Now, Dr. Hans? Dr. (laughs) Hans.
0: Girl, nature always finds a way. I don't know how you guys take my dreams and just crumple them up like a piece of paper and throw it right back in my face. Oh,
1: man. Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. I got my
0: toes in the water, toes in the sand. Not a worry in a world
2: of cold beer in my hand. Life is good today. Life is good today. Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, we want to remind you to listen this Wednesday. It's a win-ticket Wednesday for your chance to see Brian Regan. Get ready to laugh all night long when Brian Regan brings his unique blend of observational comedy to the stage at the John M. Huntsman Center on Saturday, November 9th. Tickets on sale now. Purchase your tickets at livenation.com. I love
1: Brian Regan. Do you? Oh, probably my all-time favorite. Really? I'm, and I know he's kind of gotten to be mainstream now, so a lot of people know him. But back when he was, he's been doing it since like '78. Hmm. And wow. didn't didn't break big till the early 2000s. Hmm.
2: All right, go see Brian Regan, or listen this Wednesday for your chance to uh, to win tickets. Uh, We're going to talk to Michael Lev coming up here momentarily, covers uh, Arizona for the Arizona Daily Star as we uh, continue to get you ready for all the major opponents for Utah, BYU and Utah State in the upcoming football season. What are you doing? Is this your first day? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I got to tell you, those ribs
0: were fantastic. And I was complimenting Lloyd on his fine work. Good. That's nice. And uh, I just happened to have a little thing on the mic I had to clean up. Did you so,
2: spit rib all over the mic? No,
0: it wasn't rib. It was, uh, It was. I don't know, I think it might have been there before the show started.
2: Mm-hmm. Anyway, wow, that hit the spot. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're so happy with Lloyd's ribs. That's great. And you were accusing him of poisoning me. I still think he might have. He made five racks of ribs yesterday for family oh.
0: members and whatnot.
2: Lloyd has just made of money these days. Maybe he could buy Austin a new drum kit. <laughs> I'm, g- I'm going to do this. I'm going to get 50 bucks from everybody.
0: If we get everybody, let's say we get 10 people. Is that enough to get you a serviceable uh, drum kit? 10 bucks from 10 people? No, f- 50 bucks from 10 people. Oh, yeah,
2: that'll do. All right. And, yeah, that's what I'll buy, a drum set. I bet Austin, yeah, just wants the cash. No, we're going to buy the drum set and give it to him. I see. How long do I have to keep it? (laughs) All right, let's talk a little Arizona football. Joining us now, he covers the Wildcats for the Arizona Daily Star. He is Michael Lev with us on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hi, Michael. How are you?
3: Pretty good, guys. How are you?
2: Hey, we are doing terrific. Uh, Tell us a, a little bit about Arizona going into year two under Kevin Sumlin.
3: Yeah, I think that, um, you know, expectations were super high heading into year one. Um, Everyone was excited about the marriage of Kevin Sumlin and Khalil Tate based on what Khalil had done in 2017 and what Kevin Sumlin had done in the past with quarterbacks such as Case Keenum and Johnny Manziel. Everyone thought it would just all kind of come together instantly and that, you know, Arizona would be a contender – for the Pac-12 South title. Um, None of that really came to fruition to the extent that people were hoping. Um, And there were a lot of factors behind that. I mean, one of them was, you know, Khalil Tate not being 100% for a good chunk of the season. Um, An adjustment period that was maybe a little bit longer and more difficult than people expected for Tate to a new offensive system. Um, and adjustments that had to be made, you know, from the coaching staff to cater to Tate's skill set. And, you know, the result overall was, you know, a disappointing five and seven season that very easily could have been a little bit better than that. You know, there was a one point loss at UCLA in a game in which Khalil didn't play and a bunch of guys were out and injured, a game they easily could have won. And then the last game of the season against ASU, which they really should have won. I mean, they were up 40 to. 21 entering the fourth quarter and frittered that lead away. So you know, given what happened last year, it seems like expectations are lower now. But I wouldn't say that they're low. Um, I would say that they're at least medium. And I think there's a sense of optimism uh, around the program because it is year two, and there's there is an expectation that the lines of communication will you know be open and things will go a lot smoother. There's a comfort level between coaches and players and players and coaches that did not exist a year ago. Um, All of the systems are in place now. There's a couple new coaches on staff that everybody really likes. And there's also just kind of a sense of urgency that was maybe missing a year ago because everyone was so disappointed with how things turned out. Is there a
0: sense in Arizona that uh, you mentioned that urgency? I find that kind of fascinating because sometimes at some schools you get the idea, <laughs> excuse me, you get the idea like, OK, it's a basketball school or it's a, this a football school, whatever. The emphasis, the uh, priority is in place and there's a real strong push for it. And you would expect a school like Arizona, we've all been there. I mean, it's a terrific campus. It's a terrific place. You'd think that was that would be a place that football could thrive.
3: Yeah, I mean, it has thrived in the past um, for sure. Um, I, I think you know, it's not it's not the same as it would be at an SEC school. Okay, it's not it's not on that level. But there's a desire, I think, especially within the fan base for Arizona. To you know, get back to the level that um, the program experienced under Dick Tomey, who recently passed away, um, the winningest coach in school history. You know, they had you know, two of the best teams that they've ever had here, maybe the two best teams in 1993 and and uh, 98. Um, you know, the, the latter, you know, uh, you know, going into double digits in victories, I think they were 12 and one, um, best record in school history. I don't think something like that is it's possible here on a regular basis but winning seven eight nine games fairly consistently maybe once every five years you know having that year where it all comes together and you do reach 10 or 11 victories I think that's well within the realm of possibility and I think the most important thing that has to happen um, is to get better players in here and it's no big secret that recruiting suffered um, during the previous regime um, there were certain parts of the country um, that weren't emphasized enough, especially the state of Texas. That has not been a problem at all uh, for Kevin Sumlin and his staff. Uh, Kevin, of course, has deep ties in the state of Texas, having coached there for a long time. Um, he's gone back into that community. He's, he's trying to reestablish the Polynesian pipeline, get more of those you know, quality athletes in here. Um, When you look at the NFL draft in recent years, I mean, not a lot of Arizona players have been picked. And if they have been picked, they've all been, you know, fifth, sixth or seventh rounders. That needs to change. The talent level needs to change for Arizona to get back into that competitive mode.
2: You mentioned uh, Khalil Tate earlier, um, Michael, and, of course, uh, you mentioned the injuries that he battled. And if you remember last year's Arizona-Utah game, I mean, what a gritty effort. He was obviously hurting and and going back out there. But, you know, him not maybe having the season a lot of people expected last year, was it uh, mainly because of the injuries, or was it partly the system might not have been the best fit?
3: I think it was a lot of things. Um, I think it was the injury – I think it was an adjustment period to the system. Um, I think mentally that Khalil was not in the best place a year ago at times. You know, there was a lot of hype coming into the season, you know, appearing on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He's on every single Heisman Trophy list. Um, And he really became, you know, kind of an overnight sensation the previous year. I mean, no one outside of Tucson really even knew who he was all of a sudden. He has this incredible game against Colorado where he rushes for over 300 yards. He wins Pac-12 player of the week, you know, four weeks in a row, you know, that's a lot to handle. And he you know, conceded when we talked to him in spring that it was just a lot of new stuff, you know, and he wasn't really sure how to handle it. And theoretically, you know, he'll be in a better position, a more mature uh, place um, to handle the mental load. I mean, it. Playing quarterback, as you guys know, I mean, that, there's a lot of responsibility that's inherent in that position. I mean, you need to truly be a leader. You need to be the hardest worker on the team. Um, you need to be studious. You need to be, um, you know, uh, diligent. Um, it, it, the list goes on and on of all the things you have to be. And that might have been a little overwhelming for Khalil a year ago. And, and even amidst all that, he didn't have a bad season you know he still had 26 touchdown passes and fewer than 10 interceptions, um, and and showed you know uh, the arm and touchdown the field that you know that were you know part of the package that um, was so enticing in 2017. The the mystery I think heading into uh, this this upcoming year is how much he's going to run. You know that was really what separated him from just about everybody else in 2017 is when he'd take off to run and he was very willing to do so, like no one could catch him. I mean, it was just like you know, one big play after another. He was a little hesitant to do that at times a year ago, I think in part because of the injury and in part because of a desire to you know, change the way that he played quarterback, You know, to become more of a true pocket passer, more of an NFL-style quarterback. He needs to get back to what makes him him. Um, and that's, you know, a mixture of those big plays down the field as well as runs when they're there. Um, that's what keeps the defense honest. That's what makes him and the Wildcats most effective.
0: Well, you said, Michael, I remember, remember that run against USC a couple of years ago where he looked like he was sh- pouring a cliche, but he was shot out of a cannon as he was flying down the field. And it was when I watched that, I thought, that's the best athlete on the field. You know, and didn't see as much of that last year, but but there is that whole thing, both I think in the coach's mind and in the quarterback's mind. okay, his, he wants to play in the NFL, right? So he wants to be an NFL type quarterback, somebody who's good enough to do that. but on the other hand, at the college level, when you can run like that, how can you just turn your back on that kind of skill, that kind of talent? Yeah, the,
3: the example I always cite is Lamar Jackson. You know, it's not as if you look at it's not as if Lamar Jackson stopped running after he won the Heisman Trophy. You know, he was just as big a threat as a runner um, that that final season in college um, as he had been previously. But you can do that while also improving your skill as a passer. And you know, whatever style Lamar played with, that didn't stop the Baltimore Ravens from drafting him. You know, in the first round. Um, of the draft that year, and the NFL has become increasingly open to different types of offense, a so college-style offense. You know, the RPO is a huge deal now uh, and is a huge factor in the success of people like Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and Carson Wentz and a lot of others. Um, the game is trending toward, you know, a, a more open style on that level, I mean, you saw a quarterback pick this year, number one overall, who's under six feet tall. That never would have happened three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. Um, so I think as all these things are happening, a player like Khalil Tate becomes more attractive. But he has to, as I said earlier, he has to play like himself to be you know, the most effective player he can be. If he's just going to stand in the pocket and toss the ball around, I mean, you know, he's, he's good. Obviously, he's good at it, but that doesn't distinguish him from the other quarterbacks in his class. The way he can run, that's what separates him.
2: Michael, before we let you go, I know we brought you on to, uh, to talk football, but a quick basketball question for you, because uh, last week there was a report out there that uh, six programs will receive notices of allegation for level one violations by the NCAA stemming from, of course, the, the federal government's recent investigation. And they said that two of those programs will be top, uh, top-notch basketball programs. Do you expect Arizona to be one of those?
3: Okay, well, let me preface this by saying that I do not cover basketball for a paper. Um, Football and baseball are my beats. Uh, But I am obviously aware of everything that's out there and has been going on. And I think that it's a very logical conclusion to state that Arizona is one of the teams that's probably going to receive a notice of allegations, right, Um, from the NCAA. I mean, everything that's happened up to this point, um, you know, leads to that conclusion. So um, it wouldn't be surprising at all if that were the case. The question is, you know, how severe are the accusations and allegations going to be? You know, Um, I feel like anything, you know, and and then, and then, of course, you know, what, what are the subsequent punishments? I feel like anything short of a postseason ban will be viewed as basically a slap on the wrist and won't really um, have that huge of an impact on the program, but you know, if they are you know, to the point where you know, the NCAA wants to make an example of Arizona and they impose some sort of you know, harsh postseason ban, I think that could have a severe impact on recruiting and, and could really set the program back. I, I used to cover USC football uh, before I took this job here um, in Arizona, and I was on the beat when the NCAA sacked you know, the Trojans program with, you know, the harshest sanctions, basically, um, you know, since the SMU scandal, and it really hurt the program for several years. Um, you know Whether something like that happened again, I don't know. Um, it, like I said, it remains to be seen just how harsh um, the accusations and the penalties uh, turn out to be.
0: I know you're all about Arizona right now, but uh, are you buying into uh, the positive, uh, the hype, I guess? concerning the Utes and the promise uh, in the South for this season?
3: I am. Um, I mean, I haven't sat down and, and, you know, done my picks yet. Uh, That's coming in, you know, probably in the next couple of weeks. Um, But when you look at the Pac-12 South, there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, You know, uh, most people would say, like, the the powerhouse programs, quote-unquote, in the conference are probably – in the North right now, I think there's a great opportunity for Utah to step in and seize control of this division. Um, you know, you're always going to get a certain brand of football under Kyle Whittingham. You're not always going to get a uh, returning veteran quarterback, which they have, and uh, returning veteran depth at running back, um, which they have. Um, I like these chances um, a lot, and it wouldn't surprise me in the least if they ended up uh, winning a division that I feel like is wide open. You know, USC, five and seven a year ago, kind of in a state of disarray. UCLA still trying to build things up under Chip Kelly. We obviously talked about the state that Arizona is in right now. Colorado has a new coach. Um, and ASU had a really good year last year, but they lost their you know veteran quarterback and their top wide receiver Um, and won't have those guys back. So you add up all those factors, and I think, yeah, uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Utah win the division. I certainly think um, they're going to be the pick when the media poll comes out about a month from now.
2: Hey, Michael, thank you so much for coming on and sharing a little wisdom with us. We really appreciate it.
3: Thank you, guys. Anytime.
2: Michael Lev uh, covers the uh, Arizona football team, not basketball. I apologize for... Blindsiding yeah, with a no, basketball question you, there, about- but you
0: prefaced it by saying and brought him on to talk football, but.
2: Anyway, he works for the Arizona Daily Star, and yeah, I certainly expect Arizona to be one of those teams. Not to focus on that, but I, I wonder. I, I think his answer to the question about uh, uh, about Khalil Tate fitting into Sumlin's system, I, I think yeah. is going to be a real interesting one to find yep, out. I agree with that because they could be real good if it, uh, if it works. All right, not sports report coming up next. Walt Perrin at the top of five o'clock hour, ninety-seven five
1: and twelve eighty of the zone. Three. Two. The countdown is back on the Zone Sports Network. It's the fifth annual college football top 60 and 60. Check this out. And now, your Not Sports Report on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
2: Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. Time to get a winner for the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. Correctly, identify the Chevy Strong Play, the game announced by David and Pat this morning at 8.50, and you'll win his own prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong Play, the game brought to you by Rocky Mountain Chevy Dealers. Time for the Knot Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon? Where are we going today? On your first day back, uh, we're going to North Carolina. But before, I, really, this is sort of a,
0: ju- a juxtaposition of a, a a young hero and an and an old guy who thinks he's a hero. Okay, all right? all right. Let me start with the old first. Did you see the tweet sent out by Bill Cosby that he in which he called himself America's dad? I did see that. Yeah. Uh, and then he paid tribute to fathers and all that stuff. He so did. that that part of it was good. But for him to call himself America's dad from prison, I mean,
2: what's your take on that? I I think that Bill should just go away. I mean, I think that's <laughs> what we all want, right? Serve your time, Bill. Let's not let's not let's not tweet anymore. Let's not do that. Is he? And cl- you you mean, can is tweet he cl- from is he cl- prison? I didn't know that. I didn't either. Do they have social media time?
0: I guess they do. Or does he have someone on the outside working his
2: Twitter account? Or did he, what, stash a phone somehow and <laughs> and, and get it in? Is he in some sort of one of those country club prisons somewhere? I don't think so. He's in the general—I was looking that up during the break. He's in a general—gen uh, pop, as they say, in a maximum security prison really? in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Wow. I wonder if everyone wants to gather around and have him be funny uh i don't know uh, I don't but know just one it. of those things where i i don't i don't want to know i just want bill cosby to go away
0: well I, what do you do i mean you got bill cosby walking by in general pop
2: well yeah i mean that's what happens when you hmm. uh, are convicted of the things he was convicted of all right and then there's this an 11 year old boy who was
0: home alone uh when uh, three people broke into his family's North Carolina residence he turned the tables on the alleged criminals when he grabbed a machete and whacked one of them in the head. Wow, 11? Eleven? 11. Jeez. Now I'm not sure is that is that the procedure that police would suggest for an 11-year-old boy no, to do? No, I don't think so. What are you supposed to do? Just be compliant? Uh, yeah, I would think so. That's probably the safest thing to do, right? A kid, his name is Braden Smith. He said he knew he didn't have time to think or to be afraid. He just had to jump into action. Wow.
2: Jeez. <laughs> they just All had those a... bullies at school will go away now. Yeah. They just had a machete lying around the house? He said, Anybody I... else thinking that? <laughs> he
0: said, I grabbed my machete off my wall and went to uh, went to hit him. Is,
2: is this a? Uh... It sounds
0: like Pan Man. Oh, he says, is this Pan Man's grandson? I don't know.
2: <laughs> Grabbed don't my that. machete off the wall next to the pitchfork, then I went to he work. I raced
0: back six feet. He said, "I knew I had to act in the heat of the moment," so we did. Did he kill the guy? No, he injured him, and then there was a manhunt on, on form, and they they caught him. Followed From the instantly. trail of blood yeah, to the right. bushes outside. And... Hmm.
2: Well, wow, yeah, that's hour. scary, man. That's scary. That is.
0: Maybe we should. Can we hear a little Pan Man at some point? We're you up know. against it. If We're you're good. good.
2: If you're good, well, maybe we'll get to it in the five o'clock hour. I How think about our that? listeners deserve a little visitation from Pan Man. Walt Perrin joins us, the director <laughs> of uh, player personnel for the Utah Jazz. Straight ahead, 97.5 and twelve eighty of the zone.
1: This is DJ and PK joined now by Steve Cleveland, our Basketball Insider. Going forward here, it looks like with the injuries to the Warriors that the West has just been flown wide open. you think it's now in terms of, man, we really got to make a move? There is an opportunity in the West, and certainly Denver, and Portland, and Oklahoma City, and Utah Jazz, all of them feel like, hey, you know what? They're not the same team. Toronto may never win another NBA championship, but they got one. There's an opportunity for someone else, a new kid on a block that can come in there and win an NBA championship, and I think that's what general managers and owners are looking to do go for it now do everything you can i think that's what the lakers are going to do and i think a lot of people are going to begin to think like that catch dj and pk mornings from 6 till 10 presented by wcf insurance reminding you to be careful out there on 97 5 the zone and the zone sports network